Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another new episode of the podcast. If this is your first time, you can always head on over to secondstageministries.com and you can find other podcast episodes, blog posts, and videos, and other information about what we do, who we are, and all of that. But if this is your second time or more joining us, welcome back. I hope that you will share this. I hope this blesses you and encourages you. We are in week three of a series that we're calling Good God, and it's really kind of based on some thoughts that I've seen from other people on my Facebook, and if they're having those thoughts, then other people are. So I kind of dove into it myself to kind of see what's around. And so we've done a couple episodes in this series already, so I'll encourage you to check those out. They kind of flow together, so it's better to listen to them in order. But I wanted to start this episode off with a story, a story from my life, a story when I was a wee little guy, and I don't know exactly how old I was, but my mom's referenced and told me this story a couple times, but uh, it involves myself, my mom, and a hot stove, and when I was younger, I had this habit of wanting to touch the hot stove. And my mom, you know, as most parents would, jumped in, you know, maybe smacked me on the hand or, no, it's hot. Don't touch the stove. You're going to burn yourself. It's hot. But for some reason, the stove had a certain charm to me. And my mom's words of warning didn't make sense. So one day, my mom had given me a warning and I chose not to listen. And I touched the hot stove door and I burned my hand obviously hurt, and I cried, of course. And my mom came and comforted me and restated that I shouldn't have touched the stove door because it was hot, and she could hurt me. But I never touched the stove door again, by the way. So what does the story have to do with this? And I started off by telling that story because I wanted to reference it again over the course of this episode. And... As I said at the end of the very first episode of this series, I said that God has always allowed evil to be present in the world. This is why God has not changed. He has allowed it from the very beginning. And that was referencing how evil has always existed in the world. We always look at the Garden of Eden as this place of perfection and that evil didn't exist until Adam and Eve ate the apple. But evil existed before then, it just wasn't opened yet. The The door hadn't opened to it yet. Pandora's box, if you will, was still closed and it hasn't been opened until Adam and Eve opened it. But evil has always existed and you can tell that by Genesis 2 verses 9, 16, and 17. And it said, The Lord made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground. The trees were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will die. And there it is right there, the tree of life, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God had allowed evil to be present in the garden with Adam and Eve in the form of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It's even there 
in the name, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Adam and Eve didn't know that evil was a part of their world. Adam and Eve didn't know that the animals and the things of the garden could hurt them. The animals didn't even know their evil nature. The sharks didn't know that they were predators and could eat Adam and Eve as they swam with them. The lions and the tigers and the bears, oh my, yes, a Wizard of Oz reference. Sorry, cheesy, I know. But the lions and tigers and bears didn't know that while they were frolicking through the forest with their food, sorry, that they were frolicking through the forest with their food, Adam and Eve didn't know that they had an evil side. They didn't know that evil was a part of their world until... They opened Pandora's box when they ate from the tree. Now I know the question that comes to mind is why would God put something evil in the world? Why would God put something evil in a place that was designed to be perfect? And that is a really good question, but the answer isn't what you think it would be. God didn't put evil in the world. God put choice in the world. God put choice of free will and gave it to Adam and Eve as a choice, and he put that in the world. He had them choose the tree of life, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God was giving Adam and Eve, as he does us, a choice. God presented it to Adam and Eve in the garden with rules and let them live and make their choices. God didn't swoop in and smack their hand as my mom did in my story. God let them make their choice, and eventually my mom let me make my choice. But God had given them the rules, so most of it may be kind of like, wait a minute, wait a minute. But God didn't, God could have swooped in. Yes, he could have, but he had given them. There wasn't a lot going on, right? He could have given them a slap on the hand. No, no, you're not supposed to touch that tree, remember. But that's not what God's about. God's about letting us choose and shaping our life. Much like parents are as well, right? My mom could have just let me touch the door right off the bat. It would have saved her a lot of hot air and burn cream. But just the same, she was trying to protect me. But I wouldn't listen. But God also does that. God also tries to protect us as well by saying, hey... Don't eat from the tree. There's thousands of other trees in the garden. Don't eat from the tree. You know, and he tells us things like don't steal, don't murder, don't do things like that. God, But God gives us a choice. God wanted his people to choose him because they wanted to do so, not because there was no other choice. God wanted Adam and Eve to choose him because they wanted to. Not because there was nothing else to do. And God still allows his people, we are all his people by the way, to make the choices they want to make, good or evil. This is the world that we live in. We live in a world of choice and free will. We live in a world that is evil. So what does that mean for us? Well, first thing, our choice. We live in a world where we are free to make the choices in our own lives. The choices that we make lead to a consequence, good or bad. I've never thought of that until recently, several months ago. I was teaching at uh, my church to the fourth and fifth graders, and I brought up that consequences, consequence is an outcome, and it's an outcome of a choice, right? Good or bad. 
So I've never really thought of good consequences because usually consequences used in the negative form, right? But there is good consequences and there's bad consequences. So good or bad, in my story, my consequence was a burned hand after choosing not to listen to my mom. Adam and Eve's consequence was they had to leave the garden and they severed a relationship with God Almighty and some other things that are listed in Genesis 3. But they had their choice to make. I mean, but they had their choice to make for their life. And then it's their choice. Other people. Others' choices. We live in a world where others are free, just as we are, to make choices in their lives. Their choices, the choices they make, however, not only affect their lives, but can also affect the lives of other people. The people of this world can choose to do good or bad as well. If they choose to do bad, steal, murder, abuse, and other things, then that affects the lives of other people, right? If a burglar chooses to break into your house, that affects you, but it was their bad choice, but you still suffer from it, right? And other unspeakable things, right, that people do to other people, it's the choices of the product of those people making their choices and choosing to do do things to other people, choosing to do these things. It's not necessarily the choice of the person that's affected, but it's usually the choice of the other people. This is where people have trouble with all of this because God is allowing it, but the thing is he has to allow it, and that's what I'm really trying to get home in this in this episode is that God has to allow these things because he's allowed it from the start. And the Bible tells us in Malachi 3.6 and James 1.17 that God does not change. But if all of a sudden he doesn't allow these things that he's always allowed, then he's changed and it goes against his nature. And you can wrap your head around that and it's confusing. But if God from the very start of the story has allowed evil to exist then he cannot stop it. He could, yes. And we got to make sure that we understand that, that he could stop it. He could swoop in and cure all the problems. But that's kind of, in a sense, changing his nature because he didn't at the beginning. Because he could have stopped Adam and Eve from the very start. So we have to understand that. That God doesn't want to allow this these things. But he has to allow them because otherwise... He would have changed. And then also there's things that happen for number three. That is no choice. We also live in a world where things happen to us that no one causes. These things are sickness, natural disasters, and other such things. See the story of Job that I referenced in the first um, episode of this series. The major thing right now at the time of this recording is the global COVID-19 pandemic that is affecting millions of lives and in many different ways. Whether it's the, the virus itself has affected your family or whatever, whether it's the, the financial woes that are now coming because of being laid off, whether it's just being cooped up at home and it's having mental and physical and other kinds of problems are coming up because of that. No one caused or planned this virus to be in our life, but it is. This is where we turn to God and we're like, hey, dude, what's up? What's going on? And we wonder why we look up at the heavens and in his infinite power, what he's doing up there. 
We wonder why he's allowing this to happen, and we wonder why he doesn't just snap his mighty fingers and stop it. Well, he hasn't started it. To be quite honest, Adam and Eve started it when they opened Pandora's box on the world. But God has to allow it, once again, honoring the free choice of Adam and Eve. And if he doesn't, as I've mentioned many times already, then he's changed. And God can't change. So what am I getting at? How am I going to make sense of all of this? How do I make it make sense? And I hope that I can to you if you're listening to this and you have all of these questions. I really hope that I can make this make sense. God has to allow what breaks his heart. God has to allow his people, his children, if you will. Remember, we are all his people and his children to go through some tough stuff because of the history of choices of mankind. My mom did the same thing in my story too. My mom allowed me to do something that would hurt her as well as me in order for me to understand. But you have to understand too, God doesn't want anything bad to happen to us. God's not sitting up there like, well, if you'd have just... My mom didn't want me to burn my hand. But she allowed me to to understand that the stove was hot and to get me to stop trying to touch it. God doesn't want anything to happen to us, but he has to allow it to happen. This is not the way he designed it to be, and it breaks his heart. But he has to let it all run its course. This is all a product of the history of choices of mankind. He has to let us continue with our free will and choices and the consequences, good and bad, that go along with it. But here's the other thing, and we sometimes miss it. It's in the story of Adam and Eve, but we miss it because maybe we're ticked off at them for eating from the apple and causing all of this drama to unfold onto the world and opening Pandora's box and causing all this trouble. But we miss it, right? We miss this little bit because we start blaming God for stuff. But we start missing this little thing that's in the story. We miss this. And it's out of 2 Corinthians, this part, but I'm going to reference the, the Adam and Eve story. But 2 Corinthians 1, 3 and 4 says, Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of all compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves received from God. So in all our troubles, whatever we face, God is there to comfort God is the God of all care and comfort. Just as any parent comes. My mom came right along beside me after I did that and comforted me and was like, see, this is what happens. You shouldn't have touched the stove. But God is right there. But we have to allow him in our lives to comfort us. We can't just be mad at him. You see, Adam and Eve had to do the same thing. This story is in Genesis 3, and you can read it for yourself but Genesis 3.21, especially, where God gave them clothes, right? They had a conversation with God, and, and they realized that they didn't have any clothes on. And they realized that their shame and their guilt and all of this stuff had just infiltrated their lives after eating from the tree. And God made clothes for them. 
God came and comforted him, but he had to boot them out of the garden still, but he still came in and he gave them clothes and he comforted them. Psalm 34:18 says that God is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. God is closer than we think. Right? Especially right now, God is closer than we think. He's ready to provide comfort for us. I mean, Adam and Eve could have just ran off into the garden and just tried to deal with all of this themselves, but God was right there and provided them comfort. But they had to come out of hiding. Genesis 3 says this, they were hiding and God kind of coaxed them out and they had a conversation with God. They could have ran. I mean, we sometimes run. We sometimes get upset at God and we, we don't want to lean into his comfort because we think he's not comforting us because he thinks he's causing all of this in his mighty like cauldron or something up in heaven and he's just watching a funny TV show. But that's not the case. God, in fact, it's just the opposite. God is sitting up there in tears because he's watching his people go through some difficult stuff because of the history of choices that he has to allow. It's a crazy thing to think of, but when we look at it from the standpoint of being a parent, I'm a parent, and sometimes I say, hey, don't do that. Or, you know, hey, don't slam the door. You might slam your fingers in it. And then someone slams their fingers into the door. And it's like, I said not to do that. And I gave you my warning. And they slam their finger in the door. And, you know, then you've got to come along and comfort them. And you say, kind of like, see what we said about not slamming the door? And it's almost as if God sits up in heaven and it's kind of like, see, I said not to eat the apple. I said not to touch that tree. And maybe even sometimes, too, to some of us, he'll say, I said not to, to steal, or I said not to cheat, I said not to lie, I, I, I said these things, and I'm trying to help you, but I have to let your free will and your choices run their course. But just like a parent, he's right there to comfort us. He's ready to comfort us if we come out of hiding, if we stop running the other direction, and we just say, God, you know, I messed up. I did. We we can help me, <laughs> comfort me. Be the God of compassion and comfort in my life. Lean in to His comfort. We have to in a season like this. We have to. This series continues next week with an episode called "The Mixing Bowl," and I hope to kind of make what I've said in this episode kind of come to light in the next week's episode. So join us next week.